Two years after COVID began spreading, the virus is still here and is causing anxiety in Europe and parts of the United States. Cases have jumped in multiple countries. Austrians have been told to work from home and non-essential shops have been closed. And new lockdowns are once again on the horizon. At the same time, protests against new restrictions have been growing in several European countries. But in Brazil, things could not be more different. Once the world's COVID epicenter, Brazil's big cities are lifting all of their COVID restrictions, even making face masks optional outdoors. Far from the disastrous policies enacted by the federal government during the height of the pandemic, which unquestionably contributed to Brazil's COVID death toll of over 600,000 people, the relaxation of measures is for a different and simple reason. Case and death numbers are way down in the country and have been for some time. Why? Vaccines, of course. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Ewan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Ewan, you are much more present on social media than I am. And over the years, you have seen all the selfie trends, the duck faces, the gym selfies, the I am asleep selfie. And you never usually follow the hype. But you were part of the crowd with the social media trend of 2021. Vaccine selfies. <laughs> yeah, uh, guilty as charged, I think. Um, as the story goes in Brazil, if you don't take a selfie after getting your vaccine, the jab doesn't work properly. <laughs> but 2020 was, you know, it was a really tough year. In Brazil, we couldn't, we couldn't see a light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. You know, while our friends of the US and Europe were meeting in bars and holding these socially distanced parties, we in Brazil had no real idea when our time was actually going to come. And actually, for people in my age bracket, there was a time where we thought that we'd only get a vaccine sometime in 2022, and if that. So yeah, when we finally did get our jabs, it was a huge kind of collective sigh of relief, uh, a bit of joy that was worth sharing with the world. And also, I mean, experts say that sharing vaccination photos actually helps fight misinformation and raise awareness about the importance of vaccines. So, you know, I thought, I thought I'd do my bit to help. <laughs> Totally. And fortunately, though, anti-vax sentiment has never taken hold of Brazil. As a matter of fact, though, there were fears about the effect of President Jair Bolsonaro's vaccine skepticism at one point. Our biggest issue here for large periods of time was vaccine availability, not people's unwillingness to get a jab on their arms. But now, Brazil has fully vaccinated 80% of its adult population and 60% overall population. It has vaccinated more than Germany, the UK, and the US, despite starting its vaccination campaign much later. How did that happen? Well, to understand how we got here, we need to kind of rewind a little bit and talk about the tortuous path that Brazil had to take just to get its hands on vaccines in the first place. So when the pandemic began, uh, giant pharmaceutical companies began focusing all their efforts on developing a vaccine. It was a, you know, it was a race for a health solution, but it was also important for the economy because the vaccine would allow economies to properly reopen, 
And it was also a diplomatic matter because holding vaccine technology would give countries more influence over poorer economies. So the early frontrunners in this race were Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Sinovac, uh, the Gamalea Institute in Russia, and Indian firm Bharat Biotech. So they all had their own vaccines, and they had wildly different degrees of efficacy. And many countries were quick to negotiate contracts with these companies, believing that they would be successful in developing a vaccine. And you know, this was a gamble, because if these labs failed, part of their billion dollar contracts would be lost. But it was a bet that they had to make, because this was humanity's worst pandemic since the Spanish flu in the late 1910s. Right, and eventually most of these bets paid off. Exactly, yeah. But in Brazil, the government was slow to take action. At a time when a kind of wait-and-see approach just really was not the best course of action. By September 2020, the government had signed a deal with AstraZeneca to receive 100 million doses. But even by that point, we already knew these vaccines would require at least two shots, and 100 million doses would only be enough for less than a quarter of Brazilians. Was the government looking elsewhere? Nope, it wasn't. Uh, and that's when another vaccine race kicked off within Brazil itself. So we had Sao Paulo governor João Doria, who hopes to challenge President Jair Bolsonaro in next year's election. He wanted to be the man who saved Brazil from COVID. Because, you know, that title was completely vacant, uh, considering that the government completely botched its pandemic response. So in September, he signed a historic deal with Sinovac. And not only would his state get tens of millions of doses, but a local biological institute would receive technology transfer from the Chinese, allowing it to produce vaccines locally. possibility de desenvolvermos o processo integralmente, começando já por essa fase de formulação em vase. Now, thanks to the Senate Hearings Committee that investigated the government's pandemic response, we now know that Pfizer was trying to broker a deal with the federal government at the same time. Because they saw the country as an ideal place to prove the efficacy of their vaccine. I mean, infection rates and deaths were out of control, and the sheer level of informality of Brazil's economy made any lockdown attempts you know, basically useless. So rolling out Pfizer's jab in Brazil would be a kind of real-world trial by fire. But the government was AWOL. Yeah, Pfizer's Latin American president, Carlos Murillo, he told the COVID inquiry that the company made five offers to sell 70 million COVID-19 vaccines to Brazil's health ministry, the first of which was made in August 2020. And he said that Pfizer proposed a price of $10 per dose. However, the government officials in Brazil simply ignored Pfizer's offers for much of last year. And why was that? I mean... At one point, Pfizer was the only vaccine to have permanent regulatory approval in Brazil. Well, the easy answer would be to say that President Bolsonaro is, you know, Brazil's anti-vaxxer-in-chief. But the truth is slightly more complicated. Because the first issue is that the Pfizer vaccine must be stored at negative 70 degrees Celsius, or colder than an Antarctic winter. Now, health authorities said last year that Brazil's cold chain was established at temperatures between 2 to 8 degrees. So, storing the vaccine would be a challenge. And later, the health ministry complained about draconian conditions that were being imposed by the pharmaceutical firm during their contract negotiations. Because Pfizer reportedly demanded immunity from any legal responsibility for side effects involving their vaccine. Something that most governments willingly accepted, right? I mean, as the price to pay for rolling out vaccines, reopening the economy, and more importantly, of course, saving hundreds of thousands of lives. 
Exactly. Uh, well, per I mean, perhaps they did have a point that the demands were excessive, but this wasn't exactly the time to be playing hardball. So, Ewan, the Brazilian government ignored vaccine deals for months. The president tried to undermine their efficacy on multiple occasions. How did we get to the point we are now? Well, in part, it was the electoral race between Bolsonaro and Doria. Uh, because it be as it became clear that the Brazilian population were desperate to get vaccinated, the pair kind of fought it out to get over the line first and administer vaccines in Brazil. And that was a race won by João Doria on January the 19th. And as Doria also pursued vaccines from Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson, that pushed the federal government to try and one-up them. A race that, you know, ultimately benefits everyone, right? Um, and then it was the Senate's COVID inquiry that pushed the government into taking the pandemic more seriously. So one thing that I find puzzling is that the Delta variant, which is causing havoc across the globe, never quite had that devastating effect here. Do you know why? Yeah, it's hard to tell, uh, though some experts believe that the Amazon variant created a sort of natural immunity on people after it kind of spread almost unchecked across the country. But I mean, that's hardly a successful strategy because, you know, considering that almost 200,000 people died just at the beginning of this year due to that massive spike in infections. Right. Uh, the best strategy against the virus is and always has been vaccines. And for me, the tale of vaccination in Brazil is a rather incredible one because you listed a series of roadblocks here. There were also other problems like multiple times in which cities halted rollouts due to a lack of jabs as manufacturing countries held out exports in order to supply themselves with vaccines. There was also the fact that when multiple vaccine brands were available, many Brazilians were trying to cherry-pick their immunizer, refusing to get jabbed with a brand that they weren't happy with, We used to call them in Brazil vaccine sommelier. And yet here we are, having vaccinated more people than many higher income countries at the pace of almost 1 million jabs in arms per day since January 19th, when the first vaccine was administered. And major cities like Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro have immunized all of their adults, which is quite an incredible feat. And life is finally resembling the pre-pandemic normal. I mean, even we at The Brazilian Report are easing ourselves back into the office after almost two years working from home. And that is a major statement to Brazil's vaccination infrastructure, right? It is, yeah. And I imagine we'll be talking about that after the break. We'll be right back. As you know, The Brazilian Report is an independent news outlet that lives off subscriptions, so you can support our independence by choosing one of our plans for the best content about Brazil in English. And if you have already subscribed, then you can also buy us a coffee with a small donation starting at $4 and going up to whatever your budget and your heart allows, you can help us refill our coffee mugs to continue covering Brazil. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport. Buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport. 
We're back with Ewan Marshall, editor of the Brazilian Report. Ewan, when was Brazil's national immunization program created? Right, so it started in 1973 uh, during the military dictatorship. Until then, Brazil was being battered by diseases that were preventable with vaccines. So it had more than 100,000 cases of measles and whooping cough, 10,000 cases of polio and diphtheria, and all of this was very demanding on health services. And there were even wards set up solely to treat these diseases, given the sheer amount of children who were being hospitalised, had complications and then died. And at that point, Brazil had only kind of specific vaccination campaigns, but not a year-round permanent programme. The states that had the money and the infrastructure organised their own programmes, but this had no impact on reducing the kind of burden of some diseases around the country. And it was around this time that the World Health Organization sat down with member countries to discuss the need for national vaccination programs so that they could have a solid plan with equitable distribution of vaccines and, in this way, reduce the burden of disease. And as a matter of fact, Brazil was on the vanguard of this movement. It launched its own vaccination program a year before the Pan American Health Organization or the WHO itself. And how was the implementation of these policies? Well, the health ministry bought and rolled out vaccines. It set up a kind of single annual calendar, and at that time it was given out four jabs. One for polio, tuberculosis, measles, and the DTP triple vaccine for children under one. Now, this was a huge step forward, uh, because as the programme grew stronger, other vaccines kept being included. And then by the 1990s, there was a huge national effort to strengthen this vaccination programme, guaranteeing the supply of inputs and the inclusion of new immunisers. And then primary care was strengthened with the creation of Brazil's SOS public health system and access to vaccination for children was increased significantly. At that point, almost all municipalities managed to achieve high vaccination coverage. And as a result, the epidemiological profile of these problem diseases completely changed. So Brazil eradicated polio in 1994. Neonatal tetanus is no longer a health emergency. Rubella was wiped out. Measles too, but that is now returned. <laughs> and this program reshaped the Brazilian population, right? Exactly, yeah. In, in 30 years, vaccination took Brazilian life expectancy from 50 to almost 80 years. Immunization, access to drinking water and basic sanitation were the main elements for this kind of radical change to the Brazilian population. So how is Brazil's national vaccination program right now in 2021? So yeah, after all this time, it's starting to become a bit of a problem. Uh, vaccination of infants up to two years of age fell to its lowest rate in over 20 years last year. And none of the obligatory vaccines reached the government's 90% coverage target. Only the VPC-10 jab for pneumonia and meningitis, that was the only one to see coverage of over 80%. And in 2020, coverage for the BCG tuberculosis jab reached its lowest level since records began, with only 73.8% of children receiving the jab. And as we explained on this podcast back in 2019, some diseases are making a comeback, such as measles, which I mentioned earlier. And that's because people are just vaccinating less. Some believe that points toward the existence of a growing anti-vax sentiment in Brazil, which is not really the case, is it? Yeah, not really. Um, there are many factors at play here. First of all is the very success of the vaccination programme because it's practically eradicated several diseases in Brazil 
and that creates a kind of false sense of security among the population and younger generations. But the biggest problem by far is the dismantling and underfunding of Brazil's public health system. So we've talked about Brazil's federal spending cap quite a bit recently, with markets worried that the Bolsonaro government is going to you know, poke holes in spending rules and cause investors to flee the country, take their money with them. But here it's worth taking a look at the real effects of the spending cap, because essentially what it does is it limits public investment to the inflation rate of the previous year. So that means that it's terribly difficult for governments to put more money into health or education and it essentially institutionalises austerity in Brazil. Now, Brazil's public health system has always been underfunded, and it's always depended on transfers from municipalities to keep it alive and running. But the problem's got much worse thanks to these federal spending rules. And there's another issue here uh, regarding one of Jair Bolsonaro's first health ministry programmes, the so-called Previni Brasil scheme. So what this is, it's a programme organising the amount of funds that primary care centres receive in municipalities around the country. Basically before, these institutions got money based on you know, their total number of inhabitants, the vulnerability of their population and also the performance of local family health teams. But with Previni Brasil, this changed the parameters completely. And now money is only allocated in accordance with the number of families that each health unit has registered on its databases. So that means that for poorer cities, with more difficulties keeping their records up to date, they ended up receiving less money. And these are precisely the places that need the support the most. Our Brasilia correspondent Amanda Algi did an excellent story on this some time ago, and you know we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. And there is also the issue of family care programs. Yeah, so between 2000 and 2014, the percentage of the Brazilian population cared for by family health programs exploded from 7.6% to 58.2%. However, since 2015, per capita investment in health has deteriorated, and over 3 million people left the private healthcare plans. And then came the COVID-19 pandemic. The experts have described how the deterioration in public health funding played a fundamental role in aggravating Brazil's coronavirus crisis. In summary, socioeconomic equality affected the course of the pandemic, and not age, health or other COVID-19 risk factors. And the virus took a disproportionately high toll on Brazil's most economically vulnerable states and municipalities. Ewan, thank you very much. Thanks, Gustavo. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It just takes a second and it helps more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. Your support is what allows us to do our award-winning work. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week, without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.